Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The reality of life is that at times we each get overwhelmed. We each have different capacities which define what scenarios and what quality and quantity of a situation overwhelms us. However, at large, everyone has their breaking point in their self-reliance, at which we then become overwhelmed. The most primal response we have when we get overwhelmed is fight or flight. Some go into aggressiveness and battle, while others go into isolation and a sense of paralysis. In this lecture, we are going to explore a teaching of the Rebbe concerning the laws of making and dissolving an oath, from which we learn why we get overwhelmed in life and the spiritual way to deal with it. Before we go into our lecture's list of mystical introductions, let us first introduce the Torah portion upon which this lecture is based. The verse says, Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the children of Israel, saying, If a man makes a vow to the Lord or makes an oath to prohibit himself, and the verse goes on. Now, we will soon explain the specific definition of the vow and of an oath that the verses are speaking of. However, first we need to deal with the unusual opening of the verse. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes. Every other time that the Torah tells us of Moses giving over God's commandments to the people, the verse always tells us of Moses speaking to the children of Israel. However, here in this portion, the verse differentiates and tells us that Moses spoke first to the heads of the tribes of the children of Israel. Why? Well, for starters, Maimonides tells us that Mo- Moses always first related, to the wor- first related the word of God to Aaron the high priest, second to Aaron's children the priest, third to the heads of the tribes, and then a fourth and final time to all the children of Israel. This is what happened every time that Moses gave over the commandments of God when the verses state and Moses spoke to the children of Israel. If so, then why is this Torah portion concerning vows and oaths the specific time that the Torah points out that Moses spoke to the heads of tribes before he spoke to all of the children of Israel? This is how the classic commentator Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, known as Rashi, explains it. And I quote, he quotes the verse, the words of the verse, the heads of the tribes, and then he comments, He honored the chieftains by teaching them first and only later the rest of the Israelites. Then he goes on to explain, Why did scripture see fit to mention it here? It is to teach us that annulment of vows may be performed by a single expert. And if no single expert is available, it may be annulled by three laymen. Thus the verse is hinting to us the specific different laws of how to annul a vow or oath that they can be annulled by a single expert, i.e. head of tribe. However, if one is to annul his vow or oath by layman, then a single layman isn't enough, and three laymen is needed. On a mystical level, what is the meaning of an oath, annulment of an oath, a single expert, and of three laymen? Now for the list of mystical introductions. A. The biblical definition of taking an oath in our Torah portion. B. The Jerusalem Talmud's opinion upon taking an oath. C. 
the realm of engagement and the realm of separation. D. The power of the Chacham, expert, heads of tribes. And E. The power of three laymen. Okay, let's begin. So, the biblical definition of taking an oath in our Torah portion. The verse clearly defines what form of oath it is speaking about. And here's what the verse says. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or makes an oath to prohibit himself. An oath is concerning anything that the Torah permits and an individual makes an oath to prohibit it for himself. One can look up the laws of oaths in Maimonides, Mishneh Torah, Book of Hafla'ah, Laws of Oaths, and in the notes I will have a link. To have a full understanding of all the different types of oaths and their laws. However, the general category of the oath in our Torah portion is, as we explained, an oath to prohibit upon ourselves that which a Torah permits us. An example of this is the Nazir, who prohibits upon himself wine and any derivative of grapes. Now, let's go to the second introduction, the Jerusalem Talmud's opinion upon taking an oath. To understand the Jerusalem Talmud's opinion of this, I quote to you from its tractic on oaths. And here's the quote. It is not enough that the, that, I'm sorry, it is not enough what the Torah prohibits upon you that you come and prohibit other things upon yourself. End quote. Similar to this, we find another teaching in the Jerusalem Talmud. Man is destined to give judgment before God for that which his eyes saw and he did not want to eat from, even though it was permissible to him and he was able to. Clearly, the Jerusalem Talmud defines an oath as undesirable, not because of the articulation of an oath, inasmuch as for the certainty with which it prohibits unto him that which was permissible. Why? The reason for this is based upon the purpose of creation. The entire purpose of creation is that God desired for us to make an abode for Him in this nether world. The only way to do so is by engaging with the world and by using it for spiritual purpose. Not eating that which is kosher and permissible will not refine, elevate, and make the physical food transparent to divinity. It is only through making a blessing on the food, sharing it with those less fortunate, using the dinner time for a family value discussion of Torah, and to then use the energy we receive from the food in service to God, which then transforms the food itself and all the work that went into producing it and preparing it, all part of service to God, thus making this world an abode for God and for God's presence to be revealed here in this world. Thus, the Jerusalem Talmud views an oath, an abstinence from engaging, refining, elevating, and transforming the physical world into an abode for God, as undesirable. The question then is, why the Torah speaks of taking such an oath? And why does Rabbi Yossi Yitzhak of Lubavitch say, and I quote, What is prohibited is prohibited, and what is permissible isn't mandatory. Again, hinting that we should practice abstinence even from that which is permissible. To understand this, we need to understand the mystical difference between the direct light of the Jerusalem Talmud and the rebound light of the Babylonian Talmud. The light of the Jerusalem Talmud mystically refers to the righteous, of which King Solomon states, and I quote to you a verse from Kohelet, For God made man straight. 
Of such a person, who is certain that he will elevate the meat of the animal, for example, into the human divine service of God, the Jerusalem Talmud speaks of his obligation to engage with the physical objects that are permissible. However, what of the man who, through temptation and sin, no longer is straight, and is in danger of having the kosher meat of the animal use his taste buds to drag him down into the domain, into the domain of the animal kingdom, rather than his elevating the kosher animal meat into the human domain of divine service. It is to him that the verse speaks of the importance of taking an oath of abstinence, and it is to him that Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch says, what is prohibited is prohibited, and what is permissible isn't mandatory. Thus, we need to speak of the different realms in which there is the realm of engagement and the realm of abstinence. These two realms, as we just explained, exist among people as the tzaddik, righteous person, being the realm of engagement, which is the Jerusalem Talmud, while the average person, known in Tanya as the Benoni Intermediate, which is the Babylonian Talmud, who is constantly battling with his animal soul's egocentric drive, are in the realm of abstinence. The reason why these two realms exist amongst people is because they exist amongst the spiritual world and the holy emanations and within the realm of time. Let us explore each of these. Spiritual realms. Generally speaking, the spiritual worlds are made up of four worlds. Atzilut, which means bring forth from or nearby. Bria, which means creation, ex nihilo. Yetzira, which means formation. And Asiya, which means action. Those are the four worlds. These four worlds are divided into two categories. The first world, Atzilut, and the latter three worlds, Bria, Yetzira, Asiya. The reason why they break into two categories is because the world of Atzilut lives within the unity of God, and its conscience is that of, there is nothing but for Him, God. However, concerning the second category of the latter three worlds, Kabbalah and Hasidus define the verse in Genesis, and from there it's separated, to mean that their existence is outside and separated from the unity of God, and their conscience is outside of, there is nothing but for Him, God. Thus, in the realm of worlds, Atzilut, with its conscience of there is nothing but for him, God, has nothing to fear of engaging, refining, elevating, and transforming the physical into being an abode for God. This spiritual world lives within the realm of engagement. However, the latter worlds of Bria, Yetzirah, Asiya, which exist in separation from God's unity and live outside the conscious of there is nothing but for Him, God, is in danger of engaging with the physical world of temptation. And thus, they live within the realm of abstinence. It is for the latter category of spiritual worlds that the verse speaks of taking an oath of separation. In the realm of Sfirot, emanations, we are speaking within the higher intellectual emanations and not the seven lower emotional emanations from which the world was created in seven days. The higher intellectual emanations are Chachma, wisdom, and Bina, understanding. Now, even though they both represent the transcendence above the world which was created through the lower emotional emanations, nevertheless, there is a difference between wisdom and understanding.
The emanation of understanding in Kabbalah Kassidus is called the mother of the emotion emanations and has a relationship with an interaction with them. Thus, understanding can be affected by the aggressive egocentric pull of emotions and their paradigms. The emanation of wisdom, on the other hand, is called the house of the infinite light and is therefore completely detached from the egocentric paradigm of emotions. The Hebrew word for wisdom is chachma, which is made up of the two words koach ma, the potential of what. This has two mystical meanings. A, the word ma refers to total humility, as Moses said, we are but what, ma. B, the word ma refers to the infinite light that rests within the emanation of wisdom. According to both interpretations, the emanation of wisdom is untouchable by the egocentric paradigm of emotions. Thus, within the holy emanations, wisdom is within the realm of engagement, it's safe to do so, and understanding is within the realm of abstinence. Now let's talk about the realm of time. With this we can now appreciate how the two realms of engagement and of abstinence exist in the realm of time. The working weekdays are the manifestation and revelation of the lower emotion emanations. The biblical holidays are the manifestation and revelation of the emanation of understanding. And the Shabbat is the manifestation and revelation of the emanation of wisdom. Thus we now understand the different statements of our sages concerning the meals of these three realms of time. Concerning the weekday meals, our sages refer to the mealtime as a time of war, as the battle between the egocentric animalistic soul wants to bathe in the sensations of the taste buds, and the godly soul wants to elevate the food and the eating experience into a divine service to God. Concerning the holiday meals, when we are commanded to drink wine and be festive, the sages instituted that students of the courts travel around, making sure that the festive meals don't lead into any forbidden behaviors. It is only concerning the Shabbat meals that we are safely commanded to eat tasty and pleasurable fish, meat, and fine wine with no worry. Even more so, our sages go on to say that even sleeping on Shabbat is a pleasure, with full trust that everything will remain a positive and spiritual experience. The reason is because in the realm of time, the time of weekdays and even holidays live within the realm of abstinence and are in need of the protection of oaths, while the time of Shabbat lives safely within the realm of engagement. Now we can move forward into understanding the annulment power of the heads of tribes, defining the laws and oaths as a chacham, wise one. The power of the Chacham, expert, heads of tribes. The Chacham, expert, literally defined as a wise one, is a righteous person who lives within the consciousness of Atzilut, emanation of wisdom, and time of Shabbat, which is the consciousness of there is nothing but for him, God. Thus, not only does this Chacham live in the direct light of the Jerusalem Talmud, but this Chacham also has the power to help us struggling Bainanese intermediates dissolve our vows and to empower us to be able to safely engage with the physical objects and experiences in order to elevate them rather than to be dragged down by them. 
The legal details of how and what a Chacham does for the man who made an oath in order to dissolve his oath is explained in the Code of Jewish Law. We, in this lecture, will continue on the mystical path and its practical implications. How do we, struggling intermediates of temptations, open up and allow the Chacham to empower us? We do this by studying the teachings of the Chacham, which then permeates and, and creates a complete psychic change within our mind and paradigms of how we see the world and of how we identify ourselves. Additionally, we follow the practical customs that the Chacham has advised us with. The power of the daily studies of Chumash, Tehillim, Tanya, and the Rambam. The custom of giving charity and reaching out to others in helping them spiritually and physically. And the participation in the Fabrengans of Hasidim Fellowship. Following these customs allow for the Chacham to rewire our brains in how we experience pleasure, health, joy, and abundance. Through opening up to the Chacham in these ways, we allow the Chacham to dissolve our oaths of separation and to empower us to fulfill God's desire and purpose of creation, to create of this physical world an abode and a garden of pleasure for God. The last introduction to understand is the power of three laymen to annul a vow. To understand this, we will turn to the mystical understanding of zimun. Zimun means that when you have three people who eat a meal together, they join together over a cup of wine to recite the grace after meals. This is called zimun. According to Kabbalah Hasidus, the process of zimun is where three laymen, which refer to the three primary emotion emanations, which is kindness, strictness, and compassion, join together in unity. According to Kabbalah and Hasidus, the power of these three emotions joining together in unity opens them up to being blessed and empowered by the three heads, the supernal crown, which is the power of will, wisdom, and understanding. Thus, the power of three laymen joining in unity have the power to overcome the need for an oath of abstinence and can empower the person to safely engage with the physical world and elevate it to spiritual meaning and service. This is one of those beautiful lecture experiences in which by simply working through the introductions, all the pieces fall into place. All that is left for us is in closing to return to the opening of the lecture in which we deal with the modern issue of becoming overwhelmed in our lives. This lecture truly lays out for us a simple and practical four-step process of what to do when becoming overwhelmed in life, whether it be in the overall living of life or in the simple day-to-day -day life of the today. Let us go over the four-step process. A. Making an oath of separation and detachment. We become overwhelmed only when we are too attached to what we have to do and to its outcome. The practical mystical meaning of taking an oath is to 1. Pull away for a breather moment and 2. Emotionally detach from the outcome of what you are being overwhelmed with. B. Find your inner Chachma. Find within yourself the humility ma and the infinite ma essence of your soul. Practically speaking, start using the power gift of Shabbat. 
so that you can return to that inner safe space on a manic Monday. You return to your Shabbat space on a weekday by simply accepting that in God's world everything is perfect and as it should be. With this, just focus on the next one thing you need to do. Step 3 of the 4-step process. Who's your Chacham? Connecting with the Chacham, start learning his teachings and following his directives of daily study and of helping others spiritually and physically. This isn't a ploy to get you to learn Hasidus. This is an openly spoken remedy to being overwhelmed. There is an amazing book out there written by the chief rabbi of Britain, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, called Torah Studies. In the notes you have a link in order to be able to see it and to buy it. With a teaching on each Torah portion and holiday based on the teachings of the Rebbe. Just reading the teaching of each week will absolutely change your paradigm of how you see the world and the purpose of abundance. To make this step absolutely practical and easy, I am including in the notes a link to the daily studies, which includes the daily studies in audio and video as well. The fourth and final step, the power of layman. The last step cannot be emphasized enough. There is nothing the Yetzirah, evil inclination, wants more than for you to fight him alone, one-on-one. Don't do it. Lean on the power of unity and fellowship. Hasidim, since its earliest days, have instituted the Fabrengen, of which Rab Shneir Zalman of Liadi, founder of Chabad Lubavitch, said, and I quote, What a Hasidic Fabrengen can accomplish even Angel Michael, the Archangel Michael, can't accomplish. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here, at the platform of the Jewish mind, is where modernity meets Judaism.